0: Welcome to my world, where my dad thinks of nothing but bluegrass, bluegrass, and bluegrass. Welcome to Grass Talk Radio. This show is for people who play bluegrass music and anybody who might want to. The prison guard shut the arm door behind. Howdy folks, and welcome back to Grass Talk Radio. Before we get into this episode, I want to thank everyone who has gone over and uh, completed my little listener poll. Because I'm trying to get a better idea of, you know, the type of people who are listening, how long you've been playing, what instrument you play, that sort of stuff. So I'm running a little poll, and this is January 2018. I'm going to keep it going for a couple of months and I think maybe 40 or 45 people have already responded to the poll and that's giving me a little better idea of who is out there and that will help me craft the shows and tailor them more to the things appropriate and of interest to you. So you can help me help you by going over to grasstalkradio.com and right at the top it will say, help me to help you, and click that. And there's a little five-question poll. It's very simple. It's anonymous, and just tell me, you know, what you play and stuff. So thanks to everyone who has done that. And I encourage you, if you haven't done that, to help me help you with the poll. Okay, now I want to talk about a little concept, and then we'll get into today's show. There is a concept. It's, it's one of the... Uh, Something I've thought about a lot over the years, and that is the idea that if you have a valuable idea or a valuable piece of information, let's say, there's a miraculous thing about that. And that is, if I possess that valuable piece of information or that valuable idea, I have it. It's valuable to me. But then... Here's where the magic happens. If I give you that idea, you now have it. And we both have it. And it's valuable to both of us. We've just doubled the value of the idea simply by passing it along to someone else. That doesn't work with physical objects. Like if I have a pair of pliers and I give you the pair of pliers... Well, I don't have them anymore, and I might need them later, you know. I can't just multiply pliers. You know, it's not like the loaves and fishes in the Bible. But with ideas and with information, you really can pass it along, and now the next person has it, and they can tell somebody else, and they have it. And pretty soon, the the total value of all this just keeps going up and up and up. It's, I used to joke that, uh, playing music is like the world's oldest profession, which I'm sure you know what that is because you would go and play and you would sell it, sell your performance. And when you got home at the end of the night, you still had it, you know, you could just keep on selling it. And that's sort of how I look at my, uh, online eBooks and videos, I can sell them and I still got them and then I could sell them again and again and again. Whereas if I cleaned out my barn and had a yard sale, once I sell that, you know, table saw, well, I don't have it anymore and I can't sell it again anyway. So I was thinking about all that and I was thinking about what are some of the ideas that I, that I possess. And of course I filled up 51 previous podcasts with these ideas but what is an idea that I could give you and, you know, it was valuable to me and maybe it'll be valuable to you. So I I thought of one as I was dropping my son off at school and driving back to the house. And I thought of this idea and I just want to tell you about it. And if you like it, do it. If you don't, that's okay too. Here's the idea. Our band Pony Express back a few years ago we had a steady Thursday night gig at a place called Motorheads. We did about 4 years at Motorheads. And then after Motorheads, we we moved to a Mexican restaurant called El Puente. And we played for 4 years every Thursday night at El Puente. And it was a bluegrass crowd in there on Thursday nights and it was Pony Express playing. Well, one of the things that we did to try to add value to our performance for the owners of the establishment was we tried to keep people hanging around because people would come in, you know, order their tacos and burritos and stuff and eat and watch us play and then when they're done, they would leave. Well, if they leave, you know, the Their bar tab is not going to be as high and maybe they won't have dessert. So we we tried to get them to stick around. So we played three sets and, you know, people would come in and eat and leave and be replaced by other people. They want to turn the tables over. But after about the second set, they really want those people who are there. It's way past dinner at that time. By the end of the second set, you know, dinner time is over. And they want people to hang around, you know, and maybe have a couple more drinks at the bar or eat some dessert, that sort of thing. So our idea to help retain that second set audience and on into the third set, we did a couple of things. And I'm going to give you these two ideas and just like the world's oldest profession after, after I give it to you, I still have it, you know, and I may, I may do this at some time in the future. So I'll have the idea and you'll have the idea too. And you can do with it what you like. The first thing we did is I think I was at Costco or someplace. And I saw this giant roll of tickets. It was a roll of tickets and you pull them off and there were serial numbered tickets and there were two tickets with the same number. You've seen these things. And on the, it's printed on there. Keep this ticket. It has a number. So I bought this giant roll of 5,000 tickets. I thought I could do something with these. I, I want these tickets. So I bought this roll of tickets. And I started hitting up various people for prizes. Like I was doing um, mandolin videos i had really just gotten started into those mandolin videos for the company Watch and Learn. Well, you know, I noticed in the back room, they had a box of t-shirts and hats and and stuff like that. And I said, hey, you know, we play every Thursday night. How about donate some of those goodies and we can use them as door prizes. So we started doing door prizes every Thursday night at El Puente. If you came in during the first break, we would walk around the room and make sure every person got a ticket. And then we put the, you know, the stub in a, in a jar up front. We made sure everybody got a door prize ticket. And then throughout the night, we were constantly having people from the audience come up and pull a ticket, get a little kid to come pull a ticket out call out the number and give away these prizes. And sometimes the restaurant would, would give away some prizes too, like a, a $10 gift certificate or a t-shirt. We gave away CDs, autographed photos, hats, uh, watch and learn was feeding us, you know, books and stuff. Like I I would give away copies of, uh, Burt Casey's, uh, what was it called? Bluegrass fake book. We'd give, you know, stuff like that, but it made people really happy. You know, people would cheer when they want a hat, you know, some, some, 70-year-old lady would win like a truck driver hat, and she would just be ecstatic. She won something. People love to win things. So the door prizes, we did that a lot, and that is the first idea. Think about giving away door prizes. You know, I don't think if you get booked at Merle Fest or at, you know, something big like that, you ought to break up the show and start giving away door prizes. But when you're playing a little restaurant or, you know, try to help the owner of the place out because if you're helping them out, they'll help you out and they'll keep you booked. So, door prizes. Well, I expanded this. Uh, my wife and I used to go to a little pizza place and play trivia. Just something to do before Jackson came along. We, we used to go out, I think it was on Tuesday night, and we would go and we played by ourselves at first, just my wife and I. We were a team. And then we met some other people there, two other people. And we formed a four person team called Four Heads Are Better Than One because we realized, you know, it was either us or them duking it out all night long. But we had our strengths. I was pretty good on history, I was no good on movies and pop culture. My wife was pretty good on like 80s music and stuff like that. But they were like, the other two people were awesome with things like you know, movies and currently airing TV shows and stuff. I was not into that. But so if we combined, we could, we could win. And we started winning, you know, the trivia thing. And basically you'd win free pieces, you know, stuff like that. Well, I thought about that trivia thing and several times at El Puente, when Pony Express was playing our three sets, we would do bluegrass trivia night. And I just took the exact same methodology that happened at the trivia thing. And I thought, we'll do bluegrass trivia. I'll write a bunch of questions about bluegrass and, you know, help educate the audience a little bit about bluegrass and, and also to reward some of the people in the audience who, who really know a lot about bluegrass and, you know, reward them for their knowledge. And, uh, so that's what we did. And I, I followed the exact same methodology. We had, I printed out little answer slips where you'd put your team number and you'd write the answer down to question number one and you'd send them up. So we would do this bluegrass trivia and I would just, you know, look through books and stuff and come up with questions. And it was a lot of fun. And, and, you know, of course the winning team, would to get some prizes and you know t-shirt and hat or something. It was a whole lot of fun and I think it was more fun because you have to remember that your audience you're not always blessed with an audience that is just really into the music. You know, I talked about my dad in a previous episode. He didn't really care about the music. I mean, it just went in one ear and out the other. What he liked was a good joke. Or, you know, something kind of corny and silly. Uh, we used to do a Ray Stevens song called It's Me Again, Margaret. And Jimmy, our banjo player, this was in Cedar Hill. He would. We had this phone receiver with the coiled cord. There was no phone. It was just the, the hand piece and the cord. We carried it in our, in our bag. And when we would do It's Me Again, Margaret, he would get on that phone. And he would, you know, do the do the part in that song. Go listen to Ray Stevens do it's me again margaret my dad loved that but he didn't really care you know about the rest of it you know so your audiences are like that too so give them a little something is all i'm saying don't just you know be a bluegrass snob and trivia it might be something a whole lot of fun you know so uh i figured what we do in this episode is just i pulled up one of my old Lists of trivia questions that we used one night, and I thought we'd just play. You know, so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to first I'll tell you the rules, which I would tell them too. And you know, back back in those days, everybody didn't have a smartphone, and you know, but the rules still were: do not consult your phone. If if anybody sees you pulling your phone out, googling to find out the answer, your team will be disqualified so that we would state that right off the top and people could form these teams. And, you know, usually it was a table or something, but sometimes you'd have an individual just sitting at the bar and he was a team and they would invent crazy team names and stuff. And we would appoint a scorekeeper and put them at a table down front and they would keep track of, you know, all the teams and their score on each question, that kind of thing. If you've ever been to a trivia night someplace, We did the exact same thing. It's just that the questions were all about bluegrass. So the way we would, you know, hold the audience is we would, we would ask a question, announce the question. And while all the teams are working on their answers and then we would play a song and sometimes a song would have something, you know, be related to the question. So we'd play a song while the answer slips are brought forward to the scorekeeper. And then maybe we play another song. And then announce the answer to the previous question. And have the scorekeeper read out the point standings and stuff like that. And do another song. Ask another question. And we just keep on going like that. Just like you do at Trivia Night where they'll play a, play a song or two. We played the songs. So it was Bluegrass Trivia Night. It's a lot of fun. And, you know, if you're a big bluegrass fan, you'll know the answers to all of this stuff. But if you're a a newbie or, you know, not that familiar with bluegrass, you might hear some things you didn't know. Anyway, we're going to play the game with these questions just to give you an idea of, you know, the type of questions you might ask. And then I am going to put all the answers. I'll, I'll list all the questions and answers on the show notes page. So at the end of this, I'm not. Uh, as we go along, I'm not going to tell you the answers. Just go to grasstalkradio.com and slide down to episode 52, and click that. And right there, I will have these questions, and you, you're. I'll put them up there probably as a PDF file, or or I'll just type them into the page. And you are more than welcome to uh, try this at your next gig. You know, if it's the right type of gig. So here we go. I'm going to ask you the questions and no Googling, you know, (laughs) just, just write down the question number and your answer. And when we get all done with this, you'll kind of know what is your bluegrass IQ? So here we go. The first question, what is the name of the bluegrass band that appeared As the Darlin family. On the Andy Griffiths show. And I wish I had that music. uh, Do, 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 do. I can't remember what game show that was from. That is question one. Alright, here is question two. The popular bluegrass song, Fox on the Run, was originally recorded by what english rock band and once again go to the show notes page for the answers do not google this don't cheat just rate yourself and see how much you know about bluegrass question number three and we would do this uh, i i thought of this as a way to kind of get a laugh the band we were uh The band Pony Express, and we had the typical bluegrass instrumentation. mandolin, guitar, bass, fiddle, banjo. That was our normal thing. So here's question three. Including all five members of Pony Express, how many G-strings are on stage? And, you know, you get a few chuckles, especially from the bar. How many G-strings on stage with a mandolin, guitar, bass, fiddle, and banjo. And now, question four. Who was Bill Monroe's first banjo player? (laughs) You know what? Maybe at the end of this episode, I might tell the answers. Nah, just come over to the show notes. They'll all be there. Question five. The banjo instrumental called Foggy Mountain Breakdown, composed by Earl Scruggs, served as the theme song for what Hollywood movie? Number six, Ralph Stanley. And remember, I'm doing these questions for a very general audience. So I would say things in the question to try to give people You know, a lot of people wouldn't know who the heck Ralph Stanley is. If you're at a bluegrass festival, people know Ralph Stanley, but when you're in a Mexican restaurant, they don't. So I would say things like this. Ralph Stanley, famous for his appearance in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Because everybody saw that. Ralph Stanley was teamed with his brother until his brother's death in 1966. What was his brother's name? Question seven. Lester Flat and Earl Scruggs Band was sponsored for many years by what milling company? And now question eight. What banjo player was hired by Bill Monroe in nineteen sixty three and introduced the melodic banjo style to bluegrass audiences? It's very interesting. By the way, if, if you're doing very well on this, I'm proud of you. If, if, if you don't know any of this stuff, maybe you should go get a couple of books. Maybe uh, Can't You Hear Me Calling is a good one. Uh, or there there are several, like history, The History of Bluegrass, that kind of thing. I think I, I might put some links on the show notes page. If you're striking out here, you need to bone up on your bluegrass trivia. Okay, we did question eight. Here is question nine. Bill Monroe's uncle, a renowned fiddler in the area of Kentucky where Bill was raised, is immortalized in the song titled Uncle Penn. What was Uncle Penn's complete first and last name? Question ten. What is the name of the town in Kentucky that was Bill Monroe's birthplace and is also his final resting place? And question 11. In the song Rocky Top. And before, before I tell this question, let me tell you another crazy idea that we used to do. Obviously, we would get a lot of requests for Rocky Top. So, I came up with this idea of having two tip buckets. I would have the one tip bucket marked, play Rocky Top, and the other was marked, do not play Rocky Top. And you put whichever, at the end of the first set, we would count the money, and whichever bucket had the most money in it, we would either play it, or we wouldn't. And it would get a lot of laughs because somebody would come up and drop a dollar in the Play Rocky Top bucket. And, you know, the crowd would cheer for it. And somebody else would come up and drop a 20 in the Don't Play Rocky Top. It was funny. And and it gave people something to do. And anyway, that was one of our crazy ideas. Uh, We did that some in Cedar Hill. And I would use this humongous bucket for the... Uh, don't play Rocky Top. And then I had a shot glass that said play Rocky Top. Anyway, a lot of crazy ideas we used to do. So here's question 11 in the song Rocky Top first recorded by the Osborne brothers. A certain crop is mentioned, which is difficult to cultivate in the vicinity of Rocky Top. What crop Does the song refer to? And now, question 12. This is just a true or false. True or false? Bill Monroe, who is considered the inventor of bluegrass music, experimented with using an accordion in his band. True or false? Question 13. Hats are very popular headwear for traditional bluegrass bands. Which of the following bands does not or did not normally wear hats while performing? A. Bill Monroe B. Flat and Scruggs C. The Del McCurry Band D. Jimmy Martin And now question 14. Today, thousands of bluegrass festivals are held all over the world. The first ever bluegrass festival, held at Finn Castle, Virginia, took place in what year? A. 1945 B. 1955 C. 1965 D. 1975 And question 15... This is pretty easy. What are Bill Monroe's initials? You have to give all three letters. Okay. And we also did some tiebreakers. I I would have some tiebreaker questions ready just in case you had a tie. And so here's the tiebreaker. So let's say you had two teams that were just flat out tied. I would do this following question and they would have to list all that they could and got a point for each one and this this would usually break the tie and here's the question the bonus before more democratic band names came into vogue such as seldom seen new grass revival and hot rise it was common for bands to bill themselves by listing the leader's name followed by the band's name, such as Buddy Ashmore and Pony Express. What is the full name of each of the following bands? Number one, Bill Monroe and the... Number two, Jim and Jesse and the... Blank. Number three, Don Reno, Red Smiley, and the. Number four, Allison Krause, and. Blank. Number five, Flat and Scruggs, and. Number six, Doyle Lawson, and. Number seven, Claire Lynch and. Just fill in the name of the band. Number eight, Jimmy Martin and. Who? <laughs> number nine, J D. Crow and. And finally, number ten. This is after Flat and Scruggs broke up. Lester Flat and the. Fill in the blank. So there's your bluegrass trivia game. Go over to grasstalkradio.com, slide down to episode 52, and click there, and I'll have all the answers there for you. I just encourage you to, you know, if you're playing little um, venues You know, and and it's appropriate. Try stuff like this. You know, you don't just have to just stand up there and look down at your instruments and and play and never crack a smile. You know, try to have a little fun because if your audience is having fun, you'll have more fun and they'll come back and, you know, it's good for everybody. So anyway, that is enough for this podcast. Y'all have a great week and I'll see you in the next episode. Oh, and one more thing. Going to close this show out with a little live cut from a Buddy Ashmore and Pony Express live at El Puente doing a song called Tattooed Lady. Y'all have fun with it. Talk to you later. Well, once I married a tattooed lady It was was on a cold and winter day And tattooed all around her body was a map the good old U.S.A. And every night before I'd go to sleep, what, what'd, you what'd you do, do Skeet? I like that part. I'd pull down the covers and I would take a peek, peek. upon her leg, look Minnesota yeah. on her shoulder. I see Tattooed on her back Good old Hackensack The place Where I long to be And tattooed on her Was West Virginia Through those hills I just loved to roam. When I saw the moonlight on That's when I recognize my home, sweet home